And, and the question was this, he had asked, where is the wealthiest part of the world? Think about that. Where's the wealthiest part of the world? And it got me to think like, well, maybe Dubai, no, maybe New York City, no. And after thinking through it, he said, the wealthiest part of the world is the cemetery. Welcome everyone to episode 21 of the Cassandra Properties podcast. So I say this a lot in the beginning because we've had some amazing guests and we're really super appreciative of everyone that's joined us so far on this journey. Um, and we're super appreciative of what everyone has shared and hopefully it's helping you guys as much as it's really helped us. Um, but my guests today, Chad and Danielle Reyes have without question, in a very short time had such a profound impact, um, more impact on my life in the last couple of months than anyone or anything um, in my 40, what am I, 45, 45 years? 45 yes. years <laughs> on this earth. So we've got Petey in the corner on the ones and twos as always. We're joined by the always wonderful and dynamic Rebecca. And uh, Chad and Danielle, thank you guys for joining us today. Yes. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Really appreciate everything you guys have done. And uh, the audience, whether you guys know it or not, knows who you are because I constantly <laughs> talk about you. So, uh -oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't go I'm back thinking. and listen. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I feel like um, the audience would probably want to get to know you, get to know how you guys became who you are today. Um, so let's, let's go back. We'll start with Chad. Chad. You sure you want to do this? I, yes. Well, no, I'm not. You sure? Because half the time I talk to you, I leave in tears. So I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I want to do this, but. T today is going to be tears of joy. We're going to do it. Oh, there we go. So, so let's go back to the beginning. Yes. Yeah, so Danielle and I met each other when we were uh, 11 years old. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So we started uh, 11 years old. We had met, uh, it was a gentleman that lived on, a gentleman, it was a kid that lived on my block when, when we were kids. And uh, she was friends with his older brother. Well, this happens to be my brother's best friend now. Okay. So they're still best friends. And quite frankly, around the corner from your office, Signs Road, that I used to live that, on the corner of Signs Road and Richmond Avenue. That's where we met. That's wow. where we met. Oh, wow. Literally, you can see your, you can see the building from uh, from looking out of your office. I lived on Signs Road for a period of time. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. So that's where I lived. Do, 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 do. I <laughs> <laughs> and the and the weirdness continues. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, so we um we met at eleven years old, and we became really close friends at about thirteen. I'd say about fourteen years old, we became best friends, and we just really built he a phenomenal. He liked me in freshman year, but he didn't. <laughs> yeah, she, she plays hard to get <laughs> all right I, I figured the game out there you go <laughs> so you guys meet here on staten island um where did you go to high school i went to moore and uh, she went to moore yeah so was it at that point you guys kind of clicked and of course you didn't know at that point but was there it depends on which story you want. <laughs> <laughs> it was love at first sight for him me not so much it was a slow burn. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? A slow burn. Yeah. I'm kind of like uh, like wine, you know? I get better, better with, better with age. age. I'll go with that. <laughs> so you guys are dating in high school? Uh, no. We shared our first kiss. 
freshman year. Yeah. Wow. And then wow. We, we remained friends. Then we were just friends for many years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's being friends is so damn important, right? Yeah. That is so important in the relationship and something that for whatever reason eludes a lot of people in life, but you've got to have that foundation and friendship. So college, where did we go? On your share. Um, I went to CSI and Chad went to Binghamton. Well, I, I actually started at CSI. So okay. I, went, I did a year at CSI and I had friends of mine that were in uh, going to Binghamton and I'm watching them go back and forth and they're having the time of their lives. And I'm saying, why am I not doing that? <laughs> and, then I, and then I realized how hard it was to get into that school. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> so then for the next semester, I really had to apply myself to get a, I don't remember what I got, 3.6 or 3.5 to get into, uh, into Binghamton. And then I went there for four years and graduated from Binghamton. And then I just took some of our friends back and forth, took the weekend ride. Yeah, she ah. was. To do some of the. Uh, <laughs> she was the early adopter. You, you know, um, the thing called Uber? She started it. She, <laughs> <laughs> she just didn't get oh, paid great. for it. That's great. <laughs> oh, too funny. So you guys remain friends on and offish through college. You are making runs up to Binghamton. You graduate from college. When does the vision of who you are today and what you do today, when does that start to fall oh, into place? Well, I'll, I'll share a little. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> when we, so uh, once there was a time that Chad um, started to get into the life insurance industry. And at this point, we were friends, um, had a real good respect for each other and wanted to see each other succeed. So what I did was um, he was doing work. Uh, he was stuffing envelopes at his father's uh, basement. And we had his girlfriend calls him and says, you know, what are you guys doing? And I said, uh, he says, you know, I'm here with Danielle and we're stuffing envelopes. You know, do you want to come by? And she said, no. And my boyfriend calls me up and says, hey, you know, what are you doing? I said, I'm with Chad with stuffing envelopes at his father's basement. Do you want to come? He said, no. Nope. So it's <laughs> So the two of us were like, okay, we'll just continue stuffing envelopes. We'll call them later. And that was, what, 23? That was, was uh, probably about 23, yeah. And we started, I think we started dating around 26. So yeah. you didn't date at all through college or high school or anything? No. You just no. had a crush on her since freshman I mean, year. That's what she said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, See, I like her. And, and, and I want my wife to go to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> so... What type of insurance were you doing at that point? So what, what had happened is at 23, we had, uh, we had started doing something called mortgage protection insurance. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, remember, I'm 23 years old, just graduated high school, uh, college, and don't have any friends that have any wealth, any money. So I'm like, how am I going to get in front of people to be able to sell them life insurance? And... I had this idea of, well, let's do mortgage protection insurance. And I had a gentleman, Greg, who had, had shared it with me. He's like, you know, I know someone else is doing mortgage protection insurance. I said, all right, let's try it. Can't hurt, right? Yep. So it wound up working out really well. We were getting leads after leads after leads. We created a whole system. We got a post office box at the, you know, at the post office. Uh, we had a, we created these template um, letters. Now, mind you, this is 2003. This mm -hmm. is before the whole internet boom. And it's working. I mean, we're getting 20, 30, 40 leads a day. Wow. wow. We couldn't keep up with the leads. 
The problem was it was in Ocean County, New Jersey. And you didn't have go-to meeting and Zoom. So you had to travel out there, travel back for $100 a year. Yeah. Premiums, $200 mm. a year premiums. So when you, when you look at it, after all of your costs, you're like I was so busy this year and I made not a dollar. I lost. In my first 18 months, I made $18,000 in revenue. Wow. In revenue, wow. 8000 in expenses. That's wow. when I knew he needed help. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't work any harder. Yep. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's something we've shared at different points in our lives, mine up until I met you, <laughs> right? Just <laughs> working at all costs and having the head down and just pushing and pushing and pushing because you, you just you felt like you, you had to um, and not lifting the head up and going, hmm. I can go around that wall or I could do things a little differently. Um, and it's so crazy when you're in that grind, you don't see it. You legitimately don't see it. All that matters is if you got 30 leads, come hella high water, I'm sure you felt you had to respond to 30 leads mm -hmm. and you had to try and find a way to make those meetings and get it done. So MPI, mortgage insurance, for those who don't know, is uh, a policy that essentially is it, it piggybacks your mortgage on your home uh, in the event of whatever it may be, death, death or, or <clears throat> I don't know, disability, I guess, wouldn't cover that, right? That'd be a DI policy. Typically, yeah, DI. So in the event of death, your mortgage amount would be insured for, and it would, it would take care of that for whoever you were leaving your estate to. So uh, that was pretty popular for a period of time. Yeah, and we figured it out. I mean, we were crushing it. We just weren't making money. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the other side of the table, right? Um, and then again, it's hard to get lost in that, though, as you're just head down going. You know, sometimes you have to lift your head up and go, hey, if, if I can give anybody advice, it's that. I've made the excuse for two decades that I've been too busy pedaling the bike to fix it, right? And yeah. when you, that time invested fixing it, oh, goodness, does it make it easier to, to ride that bike? Yeah. Right. I remember a conversation yep. you and I had, and uh, you said to me, you said, Chad, uh, you said that you would uh, never be out disciplined. Yep. I said, yeah. I didn't say outworked. Nope. I'm not willing to put 100 hours. I didn't understand that. <laughs> And I took that as a challenge. That's yeah. how demented I am. <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's true. Good. Right? When we heard it too, we took it as a Right? Challenge. It's like you won't be out disciplined. Yeah. Well, I won't be outworked. So this will work out great. <laughs> and I didn't realize the difference between hard work and discipline. And I didn't understand the difference of intentional. Yeah. I had no clue what being intentional was. Mm -hmm. I thought I did. We thought we did. Yeah. But... We had no idea. There's a, a, a massive gap between having a regiment and a program and putting in the hours and getting things done and being intentional. So yep. we bought in hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, we did. Uh, we've turned everything upside down, quite honestly. And we're finding in like the last couple of weeks as we're turning the schedule over January 1st is like the day that it, it'll be a hundred percent implemented. It's a process because yeah. you yeah. book certain meetings out. And like you were telling me in the beginning, if, if there are meetings on these days, like I'm not available, mm -hmm. I won't pick up the phone. I won't. People have actually <laughs> uh, teased us about this too. They said, you know, if uh, Warren Buffett wanted to meet with you on a Monday, what would you do? 
we're like we'd say no. <laughs> yeah, and and you've said that to me yeah. in the beginning. But and if that Warren was like, is yeah. listening to this right now, right. <laughs> just so happens we're free no. any day. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Monday night. <laughs> there you go. But during those hours of those days, right, mm -hmm. you're doing what you need to do to plan to make sure that you're staying intentional. Yeah. And James, I think the key is that if I do take a meeting on a Monday, then I need to recognize that I'm robbing my clients on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday if it work. Because Monday, I, I learned this from a, a coaching program that it broke three days, they broke the week up into three days, buffer days, focus days, free days, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And what you realize is, is that if a buffer day becomes a, a focus day, well, then you're robbing other people because you don't have the time to invest in what you really need to do to, to serve them. So that, mm -hmm. that was, the, that was the, the impetus for me. I said, Monday's my buffer day. Monday's our buffer day. We're just not going to see clients. And, and it's, quite frankly, has created some form of tension sometimes with people that have joined the team because they're like, well, I want to see clients on Monday. Well, we're not the firm for you then. Yeah. Mm. I, I get it. But there are certain things that for us are what I would call a non-negotiable because I'm okay with Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but Mondays, it's, to me, it's a prep day. It has to be a prep day if I'm going to be able to be there for people and be able to serve them at the level that they deserve to be served. And there are times that we have tried, mm -hmm. you know, um, for something uh, uh, special or important or urgent, and you have to see the way the rest of the week goes. It's such a, it's such a drastic um, difference. And even within ourselves, we'll, we'll be frustrated by the end of the end of the week. And it is, it's robbing right. from others. And Staten Island mm. happens to have golf outings on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's like every oh. single, every single organization yeah. wants a, a golf outing on a Monday. And I've said no to so many. And not because I don't want to be there. It's just if I'm not, if I don't do my the Monday the way we're used we're used to in preparing mm -hmm. for that whole week, it impacts so many other people and so many other things. Uh, and if we do say yes to a Monday, like we did one with the SIEDC on a Monday, well, that weekend we worked. So we came in yes. and we had to make it up. So it didn't yeah. get moved. It just got replaced with us. I gave up a Saturday for her and I to be able to do the things that we normally would get done on a Monday. People so, ask us how how we get so much done mm -hmm. and really it's the discipline the structure that allows us to really get as much accomplished well i think we're finding that just kind of starting to um pick up your model and i think it was it was last last week or the week before we it was the first time we had really implemented it uh, for a couple of days and we were both like wow we got so yeah. much done and it was kind of like but wait a minute we we're always working this you know this many hours but how come we're getting so much more done uh, now yes. it was it was really neat so the uh, I, I i do what i always do and my add and i jump off course <laughs> but i want to stay with this for a few minutes then we'll go back to to you know stuffing envelopes and mortgage protection <laughs> preferably if we don't have to go back there i'd be okay <laughs> yeah all right, we'll start yeah. right after that so Buffer days and focus days, pro uh, focus days we also in your training uh, were noted as profit days. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what we were doing is we're working on a, a million different things, right? We're trying to move a lot of projects forward. Mistake number one was you have to pick, for us it was the yep. big five. What are the big five that we're going mm -hmm. to put our energy into? And until one of those five is completed, we're not going to replace it with another big one. Mm -hmm. 
So that was issue number one is right away things started coming off our smart sheets and we were like, yep. no, that just doesn't make the cut anymore. Don't know how it got in here, but get that out. We're not yeah. going to work on that anymore. The second thing was our reminders would go, you know, like on a Tuesday, for example, it would pop and say, uh, follow up with approvals on ABC Street. That now has become on our buffer day. Speak to... Um, the DEC representative and uh, engineer XYZ to ensure that this specific item was done, mm -hmm. not just follow up on approvals. Yeah. It became very specific. And we found immediately that yep. our partners, our clients, our customers fell right into it. Mm. Uh, I was a little bit concerned that getting that you know we've got our little plan ahead days yep. now right and yep. we've melded smart sheets into that because uh, that system just works for us for data banking and reminders yep. um, but now what we're doing is we're basically we have a chain for each project that's running and we're identifying in our buffer day okay these are the things that need to get done for this project this week mm -hmm. and that's it yep. and then we're carrying those out on the balance of our week on the focus days and any profit meetings or meetings that would result in quantifiable business, we won't take now on those other days. And very quickly, in just a couple of weeks, with yeah. only a few days a week that we're trying it, mm -hmm. wow. Huge it, it, change. Night and day. Yeah. And well, it's awesome. momentum. You know, what happens is, is that in, in business, we have so many things coming at us, right? Just, I mean, it's just consistent. It's yeah. problem, problem, then this client, this person, this person wants your time. And we break momentum, we break momentum. Mm -hmm. We start momentum, we break momentum. So what we're doing is we're just time blocking so that we can get momentum. And, uh, you know, Maxwell says this all the time, John. He says, when you have momentum, you look better than you are. And when you don't have momentum, you look worse than you are. But you're really mm -hmm. not that good, nor are you that bad. It's just you have momentum. Right. And what, what I try to do and what I've done in my own personal life and with some of the clients we work with is help them build their calendar where they can get momentum. So they don't start something for 10 minutes, stop it, start it, stop it, start it, stop it. Because that's what creates the frustration and never gives you enough time to really get steam underneath you. And I think the other part to that, though, is too, is communication. It's the way that you deliver it to your yes. team and to your, and your clients that they shouldn't feel that structure, you know, like mm -hmm. on the outside as much as you have it on the inside. And it's the way that you deliver it to them and still continue to have them feel special like you know you're open to them absolutely um that's a big key you know what one of the things that um i for me personally have visualized it's something that's made a big difference is i almost look at it like um, bumpers at a bowling alley right mm -hmm. so when you bring your you know your kids for to, to go bowl sometimes if they're young you put these bumpers up and you put right. the bumpers there because you want Make sure if the kids throw the ball too much to the left or too much to the right, it hits the bumper and it bounces back in with the ultimate point of making it to the pin. Mm -hmm. I visually in my mind have created bumpers. So I know where the pins are. I know where we got to go. Yeah. And I just want to throw the ball. And if it bounces, if it's going too far off, you know, off the lane, just push it back into the lane. And I know that we just got to get towards the pin. By and the that's way, a visual for me. Yeah. By the way, he doesn't like bowling. <laughs> And I don't like he bowling either. I'm the, I'm the bowler. No, 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 no. Don't say that because Frank's going to get so upset. Frank Wilkinson. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Frank. Yeah. Frank, we're just kidding. We really love bowling. <laughs> I do love rabs. Oh, jeez. So 
as you're doing this and you're turning the schedule over and what seems like certainly it's more focused, but the lists seem to get longer and longer, right? So we had to start cutting and cutting, but then also addressing priority. When did this happen? When, when did it need to be addressed in our buffer day and in our focus days, because it's, these are not new projects. On new projects, it'll be easy for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to get our plan aheads done, which are amazing, and I want to talk about it a little bit later. <laughs> but after that set, you kind of have a structure, and you know when you're going to be doing what you're going to be doing, That's when you're going to be doing the individual tasks on those individual days. We're trying to retrofit in multiple mm-hmm. companies and multiple initiatives that we're trying to move forward. And you had said to me, I guarantee you, how many hours are you working a week now? A hundred, a legit hundred hours. I guarantee you, you'll get it done in 75 if you want. And you had said that when you have it in your head that you're going to work a hundred hours, it will take a hundred hours, no matter what. Mm-hmm. When you have it in your head that you're going to work 75 hours, you're going to get it done in 75. And again, mentally, I was like, no way. No way could I chop 25 hours a week and even be consistent with productivity. It happened already. I've, I don't know quite how it happens, but <laughs> you, you start to see minutes become hours that you're just not being productive. You're mm-hmm. working, but you're not working. You're not being intentional. And I've cut 25 hours of my week out now. I'm taking a day to be with the wife and kids. And just this weekend, a, a common friend got married, Rob Nixon. Congratulations, Rob yeah. and Francesca. Yes, Beautiful ceremony. Yes. Um, my wife, who's heard about you constantly, <laughs> she lit up in church when I was like, that's them. She Aww. was like, who? I said, that's Chad and Danielle. And she came up to you guys yeah. afterwards, right? And she thanked you. That was the first thing she did was thank us. And that was Aww. a heartfelt. Yeah. yeah. That's sweet. Warmed us. Yeah. Here well, I go again. You, you know how we go through this, though, James? I had to struggle through this. Yeah. Because I was the guy who was working 100 hours a week. I was the guy that was waking up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 3 a.m., going to bed at midnight. And I knew that I knew that I could work harder than anyone else. But how long can I do that, realistically? Yeah. Yeah. Until your body just says, I'm tired, I'm done. And the thing that I know is this, is that when, when we steward... What we stu- whatever we steward, we get more of. So if we steward our time, we get more time. If we steward our body, we get better body. If we steward our relationships, we have better relationships. Mm-hmm. And the second I started realizing that I had good intentions, that's all I was. I was a good. In- I was Chad who had good intentions. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to help people, but I had good intentions. And and the second that that changed to me being intentionally good, everything changed. You get that. You get time back. You get relationships back. And the truth, you're seeing it, you, you just, you get everything you need done and you have extra time. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's so exciting where we are um, as, as a company. There, we've talked about doing other things, other initiatives in yep. Cassandra Properties. Cassandra Properties is the mothership. It, it, it most likely we always will be the mothership. And we've had a very successful, no, we haven't. We've had a successful consulting division We've had success cultivating agents, mm-hmm. but we haven't gone where it should have gone. Um, and in a very short few weeks, really, where we've spent time on that, we've now built out the whole schedule for next year. Yeah. 
the Cassandra Properties Institute will be up and running That's and awesome. 100% by the end of next year. We've identified 52 topics. Uh, we've identified the resources that we need, mm -hmm. the time that we need, the, the buy-in from the team members. Um, Pete is already working on the infrastructure. <laughs> uh, and our consulting division will be memorialized now. Mm. Uh, so thank you for opening our eyes. And we're just getting started, and we're so excited about, Absolutely. you know, Becca is actually getting a day off and, you know, <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> you take it for granted. Like I've never yeah. taken Becca for granted, mm -hmm. but I have. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to be here for her or she's been here for me in business, but I've been so programmed to just go and go and go. You don't think about it, right. you know, and she's literally been on call for how many years now? Five? Five, yeah. Five, five years? Or six, yeah. You know, I haven't taken a day off. Yeah. Neither has she. Mm. Not one. Mm. Not one. And now, one of my proudest moments after the family was she can take time. And she's got a family and she's got things that she wants to do and she deserves to be able to step away. So it's not just self serving, it immediately starts to lift everybody up around you. Yes. The team is appreciating that you can't get me for a certain period of time during the week, but I'm not going to get you either, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to respect boundaries, and you don't have to be on call constantly. That is absolutely not true. That old mentality of mm -hmm. work until you're, you know, your knuckles are bleeding and you're so exhausted you can't stand, there's a very limited place for that, but that's not how you run a company. And, and James, yeah. I, I think this, right? I think when you look at your when you look at the time that you have on this earth, I've I've counted it. I got to a hundred years old. I got seven hundred and four months. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, w when you know how much time, and I'm just I, God willing, I live beyond it. I may not, but I'm believing I'm going to live beyond that. the The goal is not to not to to do to work till till you can't think. The goal is, is to give everything you have every day within boundaries because it's not what you accomplish in a day. It's what you accomplish in a lifetime, right? Mm. right? And, and then you and I have had conversations, and my wife and I speak about this all the time. It's, it's not about just one generation. It's generational, right? right? So, like, yeah. what, what I'm building, I'm setting up, God willing, our children one day, our nieces, our nephews, future generations of young leaders who can build on, on the shoulders of Danielle and Chad. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it doesn't end when I'm done, when I'm gone. It just, be, it just begins. And I see that in the, in the life of John Maxwell. You know, Danielle and I have been blessed to be around him and, you know, just to see how he operates. And honestly, he's changed how we do things and how we see things. And to see the, a, a man at 73 years old who is at the highest of his game, he's playing at the top of the game, the, the, him and Tony Robbins, those are the top two, and yep. then, then there's mm -hmm. everyone else. And to see how he operates and, and to realize that he's just beginning because he says, I have so many people that are younger than me that I'm investing in and developing and growing. And, and that's what happens a lot of the times is we think that it's only one generation and it's only us. It doesn't end with us. Cassandra Properties and, and Jane Prendamano's and, you know, influence and, and legacy is way bigger than just the years you're on this earth. Well, that's yeah. the exciting part um, of hearing you, James, is I came from the same background. My father 
worked around the clock and he used to say about sleep, he's like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. You know, and that was the mentality. And I took that on, you know, I, when you were talking about the wall before, it's not, I didn't think of how to get over the wall or how to go under or how to navigate. I just thought of how to go through it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the hardest, the hardest thing. So for us to change it for the next generation, for your kids to not feel what we feel to, you know, what we felt um, today is just so important and how they can, how they can do things differently. Um, Like my husband said, generationally, that's really what fuels us is the next generation. You know, things I wish, you know, early on, just to take it back for a minute, early on when my husband and I started working together the first six Mm -hmm. months to a year, it was do or die. We were going going to either kill each other or this was going to work. And the way I was built. still here, guys. Yeah. (laughs) That's a testament in itself. Um, But the way, you know, some people look at me because I remember saying, okay, we were all in. You know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't even see anything beyond that. I couldn't see if if we couldn't make what we wanted to build together work. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see us working in any other area. Somebody had oh, said wow. to us, I know, somebody had said to us, um, had said to me, oh, what, you just couldn't get married? And I was like, no, for me, something inside me was like, it, this is all or nothing here. Because we were built very similar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this vision is a shared vision, you know. So we needed both parts for this to come to, to, come to fruition. And I said to him, I was like, I, I needed to know that I gave it my all. And I hired our first coach. And that coach had transformed us so much that I joked with him as the years went on. And I said, we need, I want coaching for the rest of my life. Like, you know, it's been that impactful. And then I said, (laughs) jokingly enough, um, I saw the gift in him, Mm -hmm. which was was amazing. And and people confirmed it and just started to make such a big impact of those around me. And I wanted people to feel what I felt, like similar to what James is is sharing. And um, and we took... Now, I mean, now we do. Now we have coaching for the rest of our life. So that's a beautiful transition to get my Tweety Birds back on track. (laughs) (laughs) Because you guys are so young. And how does that, how do you get there? I've, as you know, I've spoken to other clients and partners and I'm, I'm sharing my experiences and they're seeing it. And they're like, what's going on? So as this is starting to take root, I'm, sharing with others, you've got to go speak to these guys. I can't, can't put into words the impact. You have to go through it. You have to experience it. And they have the benefit of seeing it from the outside a little bit. But a lot of the reaction was, and my reaction was, and I was resistant to this in the beginning. I, I owe all of this to Rob Nixon yeah, because he yeah. stayed on my back about awesome this guy. for yeah, two awesome. years, literally. Like, you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. You guys are so young. So how did you get from doing what I was doing, running down leads, you're kind of on your path, you're on your path. What, can you walk us through, like, when did you start to get interested in Lions Pride, Wealth and Legacy Group? How do these things come to be and and how do you get where you are today? So at a young age, I was, I think I was maybe 11. I just knew, I knew that I knew beyond I knew that I was one day going to be wildly successful. I didn't know how and I didn't know why, but I just knew because we were watching a movie with my mom one day and we're watching, huh? um, it was Richard Gere was in the movie and he was this like uh, business tycoon. And 
You could say what movie uh, it was. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was Pretty Woman, all right? It was Pretty Woman. That was our first Peter, you heard that? It was Pretty <laughs> Woman. <laughs> but, but I remember him as a businessman. And, not, you know, I didn't glorify the other parts of, of his life. But I remember as a businessman, I'm like, I can do that. And from a young age, I just always knew that I, I liked business. And what I, what I realized was, and now I realize it today, mm. I didn't realize it then, is I had uphill dreams with downhill habits. Oh. So, so I had all these dreams and visions of where I wanted to go, but my lifestyle, my life was a mess. At 21 years old, I went financially bankrupt. Chapter 7. 21 years old. That's a shock. Yeah. You, you know, you just say, you know, 21 years old, you, you're just getting into the world. No bankruptcy. Yep. So that was, that was for me, that was a, it was a, I, I say God literally hit me hard right in the beginning. And it's like, I'm getting your attention. I want to do something special with you, but I, I need, I need you all in. And I remember one day, Danielle and I, like she said earlier, we, we were friends and, you know, I had this little basement apartment just getting started. And I'm looking in the bathroom mirror and I'm looking and I'm like, I don't like the man I'm looking at right now. Literally I, that literally, happened? I watched, I was in the mirror and I remember looking and saying, I don't like the man I'm looking at right now. And that day when I looked in the mirror, I said, I'm no longer going to be that guy. That guy used to give up. That guy used to, and I'm going to, I'm going to dovetail this, but that guy used to give up on everything. That guy used to, um, his mouth was bigger than his action. Uh, his his uh, commitments meant nothing, right? So at that moment, I said, that's it. I'm done with that guy. I'm done. That The next day, I made a decision. I'm not going out partying no more. I'm not going out to clubs. And, you know, Danielle and I were friends. Remember that. So her and all of my friends are like, oh, we're going out tonight. You know, going oh, down I to pulled the up to the house. Th yeah. <laughs> we're going down to the Jersey Shore. I said, well, enjoy. They're like, come on. We were just out last weekend. I said, yeah, no, I made a decision. I'm done. That's it. I'm done. And from that day, James, I started reading. In, uh, while they were out partying, mm -hmm. I was reading. And I read 52 books a year wow. for 10 years. That's wow. When, wow. That's when my spark started. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a book, wow. a, a book a week yeah. for almost wow. 10 years. And you were how old at this point? 23. 20. Wow. it's impressive. So I just made a decision that I wanted something different for my life because I saw where I was going. I mean, I'm 21 years old and I, I'm literally declared bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. I was so embarrassed to tell people that. But, but the, the, the way, at least for me, how God does things is he's a redeemer. And at 21 years old, yes, that was my point, but I'm 40. I'm 40 and he's just getting started in my life. I mean, the things he's doing in Danielle in my life is absolutely amazing. You know, to be able to do the things that, that he's opening up for us. But you have to go through the tough times to, to see the light on the other side of it, right? But it was that. It was 23 years old. I looked in the mirror. I did not like the man I saw. And I had to make a decision and said, I'm done with this life. I'm done with going out partying and drinking and going crazy and all of that. I'm, I'm done with it. And since that day, I've, and she, you know, people, my friends yeah. would call me and be like, are you okay? People would call Danielle because we were best friends and they're like um did Chad lose it yeah I, I was <laughs> concerned but also uh you know um I was concerned but also uh inquisitive for lack of better words I was like yeah. what's going on here 
And uh, I was just excited that he started to see something that he was passionate about. You could about. say, you thought I was going to be a loser. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, she I knows me since 11. <laughs> From 11 to 21, everything stated that I was going to be a loser. <laughs> but I was there for him. I, I, kept, I kept showing up. <laughs> I knew there was something there. Oh, man, thank God. But, uh, yeah. but one of the other things, and to answer your question, too, on, on how we or where we are today and we're young is, I have to be honest, once, when I see things come at us, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I'm big about uh, failure, you know, like I'm failing forward. So I remember at a part where, when him and I first got into the business and I was kind of joking with God and then all of a sudden it became real, but I was like, hey, I was like, you know, bring it on, like, you know, like, bring it on, like, give me everything that I can handle now so I can get over it so that I can, you <laughs> know, get, get it out of the way. I need to, right, exactly. Oh, thanks like, for move that it prayer. Out. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it was a lot of failure. It was a lot of, I came from a background of family own, owning, owning businesses and just mm -hmm. achieving and great work ethic. And I was wired that way. And he came from a different family background. So, you know, us coming together to try to do this, from what I saw, I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do, though. I just mm -hmm. knew all the stuff that I saw my family do, um, I didn't want. I actually didn't want to be a business owner because of oh, what wow. I saw um, in my family. And I convinced you otherwise. I <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so us coming together was a lot of uh, failure. I mean, I really have to have to give it to that, that um, failing forward, learning from it, picking up and, and moving forward and being okay with that, you know, like it's okay to fail. Yeah. I was very big of a perfectionist at the beginning too, which held back a lot, yep. like mm -hmm. a lot. And I started to just recognize now I'm, now I just can't wait to just get it out there and okay, you know, like so we fail, we fail. You, you said something that really stuck with me for a minute. You knew at a very young age you were going to be wildly successful. I didn't. I knew I was going to work hard. I didn't know what level of success. I didn't even know what success looked like, actually, when I really think about it. And oh, nor did I, because I didn't come <laughs> from a family of success. I just knew yeah. I was going to be successful. I didn't know what that meant either. So I wonder what it is. What was your relationship like with your folks? You I, know, I mean, I, I happen to, to say that I honestly had an amazing family mm -hmm. life. Uh, you know, my mom and my dad had their struggles, like a lot of families do. But, but I had a mom and a dad who absolutely loved me. I mean, the, the amount of love in my house, even though they couldn't love each other, <laughs> was crazy you know my dad was there at every ga baseball game every every That's event nice. my mom was there for everything you know uh, I had I had a very hard family life because of they couldn't get together mm -hmm. uh, get uh, work together but we never were short of love you know I my, my mom always there always love to this mom. day you know and um, my dad, you know, passed away at 58 years old. But from the, the moment I was born till the day that I remember him passing away, it was always his kids were first. You know, that, yes, he had his other faults that every, you know, people struggle with. But in my house, it, that's how it was. And um, the, thing that I, the thing that I recognized is, and this is really cool, and I don't know if I even shared this with my mom yet, 
So she may be hearing it first time on Cassandra's <laughs> Properties <laughs> Podcast. But my mom is a visionary. My mom sees things before other people do, but she doesn't have action behind her vision. My dad had action with no vision. Mm. So my dad was a Marine. So a Marine is a Marine's life is this, very simple. You don't stop, because if you stop, that's when you die, mm -hmm. right? So I recognize the two. My dad had no vision, but my dad was just this disciplined man, and my mom had no discipline, but she was this visionary person. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if I'm going to have their DNA, I might as well pick the best of the two worlds yep. and let's have vision and discipline. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was a decision I had to make, but also I had to recognize the things that I didn't like about mm -hmm. the, my mom and my dad and, and recognize that they were doing their best, even though it maybe sometimes it felt like it wasn't good enough. So being self-aware is so important. We, we talked recently about Becca and I, um, we've had a measure of success, right? We've, we've done yeah. okay, but it's not what I, I had. Sh I think I shared with you, like right out of the gate, I always felt there was something else. I didn't know what it was, but this isn't it, you know? And from the outside, people look and go, you know, are you kidding me? You built this company and it, it no, it, there's something else. There's yeah. been something else. And I didn't know what it was. And through our relationship, you know, Becca and I were, were talking through it and I kind of had this moment where I realized that if you don't have the vision and if you don't project it, you won't get there. And I was actually somehow subliminally sabotaging mm -hmm. myself yep. and I would get right to the edge of whatever that next step was and we would make incremental steps. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we talked through it and it was yeah. like, you're, you're right. You, you have and yep. you are. Um, and I was actually holding myself back from that next step and I didn't even recognize it. Yeah. So it is so cool to be where I am right now, uh, where we are right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to add to that, what yeah. you're sharing. There's a video, if anyone hasn't seen it, I would recommend all your listeners to, to watch it. Uh, it's Miles Monroe. You can go on YouTube, and it's called Die Empty. And what's really interesting is it's it's something that it's one of the things that Danielle and I have promised that we would do. And and the question was this: He had asked, "Where is the wealthiest part of the world?" Think about that for a minute. Where's the wealthiest part of the world? And then it got me to think, like, well, maybe Dubai, no, maybe New York City, no. And after thinking through it, he said. The wealthiest part of the world is the cemetery because in the cemetery lies all the books, oh, all the businesses, amazing. all the dreams, yeah. all the visions you had that never came to pass. And oh, he oh, said, wow. I, I challenge you. And I, when he said it, I was watching it, you know, watching the video. When he said it, I literally felt like something inside of me say, Chad, you got to die empty. You got to die with nothing left in you have given it out to the world so you have nothing left, so you don't give the grave anything that it wasn't supposed to have. Amen. Wow. And it changed my life. It's changed her life. And it, there's a difference between working hard and dying empty. Mm -hmm. You know, I, yeah. I got to say, um, part of that, and I think of that daily, like right now, this is so out of my comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been pushed out of my comfort zone, but... 
the the reason that I can think too is like I don't I want to die empty. You know, I want to give it out. You know, when I'm laying in that in that um in that bed or God forbid or you know like you know the end is near. Right. You know what what are you going to regret? You know, yep. and I don't want to regret not sitting here. You know, I don't yeah. want to regret a lot of the things that I would have held myself back and you know sabotaged myself right. because I just didn't want to step out. That's the conversation her and I have all the time. Like, there's going to come a day, all of us, where we're going to be 70, 80, 90, 100, 110, God willing, right? I don't want to be on my deathbed that day when the doctor says, this is the last day. And me to look back at over my life and say, I had so much more the world could have had. Mm. But I don't have time. I ran out of time now. So I, That's I, terrifying to me. Yep. So I actually had a moment with an uncle of mine. He was, he was my godfather. And he ran after his dreams. And honestly, he, he fell short because he didn't, he, he um, I guess you could say la lack of, of confidence or something just, just had shortened it. But he gave, he felt like he was giving his all to his dream. Mm -hmm. And when I was next to him in, on, on his deathbed, um, he had so many regrets. He had regrets of, you know, not starting a family, not getting married, not not pursuing in in areas that he could have pursued more in. Mm -hmm. And to witness that and, and sit next to somebody you cared so deeply about and saw where he could have just made different choices or different turns and then be laying there. He, he ended up having cancer, so yep. it was slow. But um, that, for me, was a reflection. And that's why that die empty was so powerful. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I was like, I... I do. I want. I want to die giving all that I can, and I believe I'm going to live a long life. You are going to. <laughs> but there's even mm -hmm. there's people that have shortened life that had lived more mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. than somebody that may have, you know, yeah. could be 80, 90, and and not have. Yeah. And, and I think a, a key. Thing. Yeah, and I think a key is our life, your life, James. You know, your life, Becca, should encourage people to want to step out of their comfort zone, they should say, he could do it, why can't I? Yeah. He, he's not that mu much more talented than I. He doesn't have, you know, two more legs than I. And But sometimes I think we as people just hold ourselves back. Yep. And one of the things that we've committed to is allowing our lifestyle to encourage others to dream bigger, to do more, to die empty. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, doesn't mean it's easy, but but I'm always going to challenge you to do it. <laughs> so fear is wicked. Fear is what holds us back. This traditionally didn't happen to get, you know, on a podcast and to, you know, share these yeah. types of thoughts and to have this type of conversation was frowned upon. It was almost prohibited even 10 years ago, right? Never mind 20 years ago. Um, but having the ability to just be honest and peel the onion back and share part of what I wanted to do. And one of the core missions of this podcast for me personally was there was the James Prendamano people knew, and then the James Prendamano that most people didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the world to see the other me. And I wanted the world to understand that these things are so uncomfortable this was so foreign for me just a few years ago. Yeah. It was, I would have bet you my right arm, there is no way that I ever <laughs> would be doing what I'm doing today. But it helps, right? You sharing that this is out of your comfort zone. I never would have known that. 
right? In, in the settings that we've been in, I think, wow, I need to get more like those guys. They are, they're comfortable, <laughs> they're confident, they've got it. Oh, she's so out of her comfort zone. <laughs> to, to me, that's unbelievable, right? I, but to share that, it will inspire other people. Yeah, As people will. are starting to learn more and more about how I was programmed, it is impacting them mm -hmm. and it is helping other people to step out. Yeah. Our stories are powerful. Yes, yeah. they are. Without a doubt. So you made this decision, you have that moment in the mirror, and I applaud you for acting on it in such an unbelievable way because I think a lot of us have those moments in the mirror and not much changes. Mm. How do you then make the decision to go into business together? What was the first business? And, and just yeah. take us through yeah. the next couple of years. So my father passed away in uh, 2006. Uh, I was 26. Uh, Danielle and I had just started dating. And my, it's so it's so funny. When he passed away, we had I had just started seeing some success in our business. You know, I had the first two years. It was kind of like really two and a half years. It was really hard. Mm -hmm. And then I went from I 10xed my income in one year, right? Which 10xing a little was not a lot of money, but still <laughs> still success. 10x, yeah, <laughs> still doing good. So my dad and I were going to buy a little boat, and he passed away. And we had just ordered the books to come in uh, to, to purchase the boat. You know, we're going to buy maybe a 25-footer. Mm -hmm. He, you know, loved just being on the water. It was very, you know, he, my dad had had like 60 surgeries in his lifetime. So uh, yeah, Agent Orange disease, hepatitis from Vietnam. Ugh. You know, he was a Marine. So he had a lot of complications. And, you know, we, I wanted to be able to buy a boat with him or buy a boat for him to be able to, for him to just enjoy it, you know, his latter years. And I knew that he wasn't going to live many years. But when he passed away at 26 years old, I remember the day. I'm at my brother's house. I'm in the car. I'm bawling, crying. And I look at my older brother in the eyes and I say, this is a pivotal moment in my life. I'm either going to shrivel up and, and just literally just allow life to beat me up. I said, or I'm going to do something that's going to make dad proud. I said, one day we're going to have a foundation in his name. One day we're going to, you know, and, and the vision we're building today was a decision that we made in 2006. And then Danielle and I, you know, I shared the vision. She's like, I'm in, let's do it. And it was all in. It was all in. And, you know, since that day, we have not looked back. It's been all in. Yeah, I'll, sh I'll share a little part of that, too. Uh, he came to me one day. At, we started dating. I think it was like six months. And he was like, so he said, this is the vision. He said, I think you could help me. So I said, no. <laughs> like I said earlier, said, <laughs> hard to get. <laughs> Got my point. <laughs> um, and then he said, you know, we can make a lot of money. And you said no. And I said, no. <laughs> and then I said, and I said in my little arrogant, like, you know, little, little thing. I was, like, swag. My salad, I was like, I just want to help people. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just know the money was not the drive. And, um. I did. I, I, I came in my heart, you know, I had to be connected to what we were doing Yeah. and what I started to see. And that's where like part of the vision started to come within me where I was like, we need, he, he was doing life insurance at the time. Mm -hmm. And I knew the impact that it could do for families. Mm -hmm. It could help families. And again, I just came from a family that also didn't do the right, they didn't have guidance in the right area. So I know how the wealth hurt the family. Yep. So I was like, how can we help these families and show that we care, not just transact, 
you know, a transaction right. of a policy. Mm-hmm. And we ended up watching the, actually I read the book, The Ultimate Gift. Oh, favorite mm-hmm. movie and I recommend fa- favorite it book. Um, extremely. It is my favorite, it was my favorite book and then my favorite movie. And I turned over to him once after reading it and I looked at him, I said, we have to do this. And he was like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like this. We have to do this. I'm like, everybody has to do this. And we watched the movie together, and, and he just took off, and we created this um, love planning. It's, um, it's, leaving, it's an acronym for leaving others valuable experiences. And that's mm-hmm. really what started to transform the um, insurance industry for us. And that's what started to it actually led into our launching led. of our coaching company. Well, that, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. So the love planning is actually coaching wealthy families on how to how to transfer wealth mm-hmm. and secession planning. So we did such a good job in that that one of our clients was like, I need to keep you on board and He's you like, need you to help You guys have me. impacted us a lot. How, how can we continue to work together? And I went home and I'm like, uh, so, babe, remember that vision that we had <laughs> that we were going to have a couple of other divisions? Yeah, I think we're launching that. And then within a couple of days, we had the new entity created, and we were off to the races and on that one. Welcome, Lions cool. Pride. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> so when was that? That was 2000, the end of 2016. 2016. And we launched Lions Pride in 2017. Yeah. So where does Wealth and Legacy fit in? So Wealth, Wealth and Legacy Group, as my wife says, is our oldest baby. she said we got three of them right we got wealth and legacy group which is the oldest and we got i am empowering which is the middle child which always feels like it's not getting the attention it deserves yeah oh wow that is true and then we have lion's pride the baby who gets all the attention (laughs) but the wealth and legacy group was uh it was originally a life insurance model that it eventually developed into working with successful families that's where the love planning Correct. Okay. Part I was sharing. Okay. Yeah, and and the thing that happened was, and it's all it's all around coaching. It's all about leadership. I mean, every business we have is all about developing people because because it's people that are the asset, right? Right. But what we realized was is that in our in our coaching co- in our uh, wealth and legacy group, the families that we were working with, they all had consistent levels, uh, consistent themes, and the themes were, how do I transfer the wealth without it hurting the kids? Mm-hmm. How do I do this without it hurting the kids? How do I build the business and transfer it to my, my kids or my grandkids? And you started seeing these consistent themes. And as I, my homework, as I started doing research, what I started realizing is, is that wealth doesn't make it to the second, third, or fourth generation. Very small percentages, percentages do. So 70% of the wealth only makes it to the second generation, 90 to the third, 97 to the fourth. Wow. Wow. That means 97% of it is eroded and only 3% of it's getting to that generation, to the fourth generation. Wow. And the, and it made me start looking and saying like, why? Breakdown in communication and trust. Mm-hmm. That's the main reason. And the second reason was failure to prepare the next generation. It's all coaching, guys. Well, it's all people, communicating. Right. <laughs> yeah. People in that world actually think it's the advisors. You know, why does it fail? Why does it not transfer this to the next generation? They think it's the advisors. When we came to realize that it's communication and trust, that changed. And most advisors don't know how to do that. No. That's the problem. The problem is so you work with these, you know, brilliant technical minds that have no clue how to help with breakdown of communication and trust and prepare the next generation. Mm -hmm. So they're technically brilliant for one generation, but if you want to get it beyond one generation, you need to to look at it through a different lens. So 70% of uncoached families lose their assets. 
as well as their family harmony following the transition of the estate to the next generation, and 60% of all wealth failures are due to the breakdown of communication and trust. Mm -hmm. And until you uh, get into this mindset and you start to buy into this program, you think you're a good communicator, Mm -hmm. right? Like I thought that I was clear and concise. Like we thought that we were giving clear direction. And you had challenged me a couple of times on that. And you're like, are you sure you're communicating clearly? Like, are you sure? Like, did you write it down? Did you get them to sign it? Like, you, and as you start to peel it back, you realize you're not. Uh, you're not communicating. And, and that is the jump off for everything. If you're not yeah. able to communicate things properly, everything else is out the window, right? Yep. It falls, falls apart pretty darn quick. And then... You, you sit around the table looking at each other going, how the heck did mm-hmm. this happen? How did we end up here again? Yeah. And you, then you start to point fingers and then animosity starts to build mm-hmm. and right, all these other bad things start to happen. But by there's slowing thing, it down. There's two things that happen though, right? People say that trust has been eroded. No, trust is not eroded. Communication was broken mm-hmm. and it stood broken for extended periods of time, which then led to, I can't trust the person. That's what, what happens. A lot of people think, well, I can't trust them. No, I can't trust them didn't start there. It started five years ago with that employee or with the family member or with the team member that you weren't communicating well. And then you're like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll sweep it under the rug. Well, yeah, you swept it under the rug and you didn't have to deal with it then. But you did deal, you're dealing with it five years later when you say I can't trust them. Right. And now you're letting them go or you're walking out of your marriage or whatever the case may be. But it, yeah. it happened here. Yeah, and there's a saying that um, I say often is um, increased awareness transforms lives. I love that. Mm. And, that's really, and that's what you're speaking about, right? It's Without a we doubt. Think, right, we think yeah. we're doing it right because we don't know any better. Mm-hmm. You had also taught that the person with the highest level of awareness is responsible for the relationship, mm. which sucks. So, it really, sucks. Think about John Maxwell. It really sucks for yeah, John. Like, right? uh, <laughs> it's like you're responsible for every relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, so if, if you're having these breakdowns in communication or there are issues in the relationship and you have the higher level of awareness, it's on you to right the ship and yeah. to, to fix what's broken and to impart that mm-hmm. to the people in your lives. That was a tough one. Or higher... Or bring people on your team that have a higher level of awareness than you. Now it's on them. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> you know, you guys, another thing you turned us on to were the Pro-Ds. Yeah. And oh, those are incredible. Pretty cool. Incredible. Like, I don't, I don't know how we operated without them now. That's increased awareness. I, yeah. It's so funny because I was saying to James just the other night, um, so I took my Pro-D um, not that long ago. We, we started them in the company, a couple of us, and um, said to James, I feel so seen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I'm like, but at the same time, I was like, how do they know that about me? You know, because you answer some basic questions yeah. not understanding. And then to read it, it was it was remarkable. I couldn't believe how spot on it was. Yeah, You know, they, they have a saying that says, people are complex. Mm. understanding them doesn't have to be oh that's good right so if you think about it people we all are complex we every one of us have a different fingerprint we're not the same people right we all have different motivations but we all are very simple in how we can be handled if we knew how to do it most people don't know how to do it 
and and there's a scientific proven uh, fact behind it. That's the reason why it works so well. Because when you read your your assessment, you're like, wait a minute, how do they know that's me? I know, <laughs> but it's it's, it's it's scientific. So if they knew yeah. that was you, and by how you answered those questions. Well, then mm -hmm. if you're looking for someone that's on your team that needs to fit a certain role, if we know exactly what we're looking for, then, then we can identify them and put them in the right role. So, cool. so I didn't know some of those things about me. I knew them, but I didn't. So it's hard to explain this if people haven't gone through it. But in the, the process of becoming more aware, you have to have some tough moments. And that analysis really does peel it back for you. And mm -hmm. you have to have those moments where you say, I don't like it, but it's right. I'm yeah. not good at this. I don't excel at that. I might think I'm good at this, but people don't perceive me as being good at this. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to identify the gaps in the organization. Yep. And you can go out and bring folks in that really excel at those individual places where you don't, even though you thought you did, and uh, it's been unbelievably like we have our convergence meeting coming up tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. Like we, yeah, we've been talking about, like we cannot I know wait so for excited. our convergence we've meeting. We've been studying you guys. <laughs> 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 so can, can, can I just speak to that one of moment? Of course. So, so there's a principle that we use called the 70-25-5 principle, right? Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes we call it seventy five twenty. It depends on who we're working with. <laughs> but 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 the, the the concept is this: is that you, you want to spend seventy to seventy five percent of your time in your area of your strength, and you want to spend five percent of your time in your area of your weakness. And we live in a world that tells us the opposite. It tells us to spend most of our time in our area of our weakness, so that we could make it mediocre at best. And I don't know about you, James, but I don't pay people for mediocrity. Absolutely. I don't pay people to, oh, can, uh, could you, can you do a, a decent job of marketing my home? No. Could you do a decent job of, of getting some breakthroughs in our company? Yeah, I'll try my best. You know, we'll see what we could do. No. People pay for excellence. Mm -hmm. you, and and th this is, for me, it was a game changer. You can't be excellent in a, in a weakness. You could only be excellent in a strength. So when you take your time and you look and you say, okay, then I'm going to spend 70 to 75% of my time in my strength zone. You know, you guys are probably looking and you're like, oh, he, he's able to articulate this. This is a strength. This is, this, is a, this is something that's a gift of mine. Now, there's a lot of things that if you look at my life and you see how I operate in it, you'd be like, that's a weakness. I just don't spend a lot of time in my weaknesses anymore. I used to. And that's why I felt so hard. I would, felt like I was running through a wall. But I try to spend time in my strengths now because if I'm in my strength and Becca's in her strength and James and Danielle are in, in, in your strength, we're going we're gonna to, one, enjoy doing it. Two, we're going to do it at a much higher level of excellence. And nothing of significance is done in our weakness. It's always in our strength. What's incredible, too, is you see the change in the, um, in the atmosphere, too, because everybody's enjoying what they're doing. Yes. What we don't realize is that when we're doing what we're not – designed to do what we're not good at, mm -hmm. it drains us. Yeah. So you feel it. And then when you're in your giftedness or what you like, you know, like what you like to do, yeah. you're energized. And you carry that home to your families and to your friends and, and your whole environment. So everything yeah. starts to change, which is pretty amazing. No, there's, there's that saying, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And until you've had that level of awareness and you've gone through that exercise, like I remember distinctly, I was like, I can't wait to see what my gift is. I can't wait to see what my gift is. <laughs> just not sure. Yeah. Kind of knew, but didn't know. 
And then to have that confirmation and to now focus, as you said, in the areas where you really excel, you're not working. And you do, like everything changes. And you're robbing mm -hmm. other people when you're doing what their strength is. So like as an example, if you're a great communicator and you're a great encourager and you're a great teacher and you're then doing all paperwork all day long, it's not that the paperwork is, is below you. That's not the point. Is that there are people who get energized by that. Right. There are people who literally live to look and make sure that every single word is d done correctly. Mm -hmm. Every like, T's yeah. crossed. Like our Amory. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, Am I mean, she's She's on phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. She's energized and she's smiling. Um, you know, it's, it's. It's nice, and if yeah. I was to take that on as somebody else, you know, we are. We're robbing somebody else. You're robbing them yeah. of their gift. Of theirs. So here we are, and you guys are embarking on a community transformation project with John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. Can you talk us through what that's about? That's you, baby. I just looked at you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Don't you know if she I'm looks like, at you, sure. that means that's it? That's me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so so we, we built this relationship with John and uh, his organization. It's been a phenomenal relationship, and honestly, it's been a blessing to both of us. And um, to make a long story short, they have been doing this in countries. They've done it in Paraguay. They've done it in Costa Rica. They've done it, done it in Papua New Guinea and two other countries. Uh, where they go into the country and they work with the key influencers and they're able to, through working with the eight spheres of influence, uh, the business, sports, entertainment, arts, government, uh, faith-based, and two other areas, they, they have the ability to create movement and change in a country. But the thing that I love about John is he says that it's all around values. He said because if, if you don't have values... You don't have a nation that's going to that's gonna do things well. And it doesn't matter whether you're to the left or to the right. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you're Christian or you're Jewish or you're Muslim. It, it's not about that. It's about values, and values are very simple. If I value James, then val valuing a person is a value that we can live by and we can talk about and discuss. So what they do is they've done it in countries and now they're, they've chosen Staten Island to be one of the one of the communities that they're going to be doing in, which is which super is exciting. Amazing. You know, yeah, it's very yeah. exciting. They, they take two parts. You know, I'll just kind of give a high level. They take two parts. The first part of it is 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 creating this transformative agenda. It's an agenda based off of surveys and market research that we, we you know we've been doing in the community with different organizations where we see what the pulse and the heartbeat is of the community, what people really value. Listen, you and I as business people, we lean towards business, but, but that's not the whole island. That's 500,000 people. It doesn't mean they all leaning towards business. So we've done surveys, focus groups, and multiple other things to be able to really get the pulse and the heartbeat of the community. Then to create an, an agenda and a action plan of how we're going to go about doing that as a community with all different eight spheres of influence, going from the most influential to the people that are, are, are trying their best just to get by and empowering everyone to lead a more value-principled life. All around leadership, right? right? Looking to bring unity within the uh, the community. Correct. Yep. And then the second part of it is these transformative roundtables. And the thing that John Maxwell talks about, and he talks about it in the book that's coming out in January, end of January, uh, in Change Your World, that transformation happens one table at a time. Mm. Yeah. 
one table at a time. So the goal is is to get groups of six to ten people, whether it's via Zoom or in person, to talk about values. So they, they pick the value that they want to discuss. So let's say in Cassandra Properties, you guys are going to talk about the value of, um, of discipline. Well, what does that look like? How, how does that impact our lives? Well, the value of forgiveness, right? And the goal is, is to get 10% of the population involved in transformative roundtables around values. I'll share on forgiveness, though, since you said yeah. it. So uh, one of the countries, it was, it was a story that has, has taken root in me was that um, they were at one of the roundtables and one of the guys had gotten, uh, gotten up and they just spoke about forgiveness and he went over to the facilitator and he shared about forgiveness and, and he was like, I get it and I'll forgive everybody. He's mm-hmm. like, except for one person. He said, the person that murdered my brother. Wow. I am on a hunt for him and when I see him, he's like, I will kill him. I've been looking for him for 12 years. Uh. <laughs> So a couple of weeks go by, and um, he goes back to the back to the table, and mm-hmm. he asked the facilitator facilitator to, you know, to come off to the side. He just wanted to share something with him, and he asked him to sit down, and he told him, he said, "I found my brother's murderer," and uh, the facilitator's heart dropped and didn't know if he wanted to hear what he was going to yeah. hear, and he said, um, "I forgave him." Oh, wow. And he started crying. Now, just to share, you know, the facilitator, when he, when he first came to him and shared that, he just listened. He didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. He just listened. But because of that conversation at that table, something changed that guy's heart on, wrapped around forgiveness. And that's how we're going to be able to make a transformation within our, a community. Yeah. And it, it you know... It, it really takes, a lot of people think it's 50, 60, 80% of the population. It's 10%. 10%. It's 10%. It's a tipping point. And every study that you look at, every book that I've read around transformation in a, in a culture, in a society, it's a 10% that impacts 90. It's not 90 that impacts 10. So that's, that's the goal. It's cre- come up with an agenda, one or two topics that we as a community can rally behind and really attack. And then... 10% of a population in these transformative roundtables to see change happening. You know, you, you, you're part of our Lions Club Mastermind, and you see the change that happens around oh, the yeah. table. Mm-hmm. There's something that happens when you take people ar- and put them around a table, and they get to talk about a topic. Something shifts, and that's what, that's what the goal is. And, and there's no – the best thing about this, James, is that there's no economic – benefit to us it's not like mm-hmm. we're you know people are like well why are you doing this because i want to see change i want to see what happened to me yeah you know exactly. what happened to me is danielle and i were you know young driven and totally a mess and all of a sudden we, Thanks, we got a hot mess that's better <laughs> but but we changed and what why we changed is what we call the transformational process our thought life changed when our thought life changed then what happens next our belief systems change. When belief systems change, behaviors change, and then ultimately the results change. That guy didn't murder that guy because it wasn't because his results changed. It was because a thought life changed. He started being around people that were talking about forgiveness and getting him to realize that maybe uh, maybe this is hurting me more than it's hurting that guy. Mm. It's incredible. It really is. Incredible story. Um, last point I wanted to touch on um, is your faith. Mm. You guys have, um, it, 
permeates into everything that you do. You're clearly bound by your faith. What are the origins of that, and how did you arrive with such a profound faith? Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, it, you can see it in everything that you do. How do you get there? Yeah, so so for me, I could probably, Danielle will share for her, but I'm going to share for me. All right. For me, that um, I got there because I recognized what the bottom looked like. 2008, Danielle and I were involved in a, in a business deal. We were merging with a company in the city and fell apart, and we literally almost lost everything. I mean, we were, if it wasn't for family, because we put every, we had just started seeing some success, and we had put everything into it, and we literally like were almost homeless. And uh, my brother was invited, kept asking me, Chad, come to this Bible study. I said, Chris, if you ask me to come to a Bible study one more time, he must have asked me 400 times. I mean, the kid is the most persistent <laughs> person I know, right? I wonder where he gets it from. Yeah. So I literally said, I'm going to throw something at you if you ask me. <laughs> I said, I'll make a deal with you. If I come this one time, you, you promise. You punch him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I said, if I come this one time, you promise me you'll never ask me to come again? He said, yeah. I said, promise me. He said, I promise you I will never ask you to come again. Mm-hmm. I'll come. I went that night to prove him that I will never come again. And, you know, God just touched me that night. I, I walked in depressed, filled with anxiety, addiction. I walked out healed that night. So I know the power of God. because Not because someone t- told me about it. I experienced the presence of God. It's remarkable. I, I would have thought that this was ingrained in you your entire life. I had no idea. Nope. And that was just no. 10 years ago. Wow. Yep. No. Yeah, when he said we were a mess, we, we were. A hot <laughs> mess. We, we were yeah. a mess. <laughs> <laughs> mess. Um, but actually, it's, it, it goes along with that story, as you can imagine. Um, he came in, and uh, we were living together at the time, and um, some, he walked into the house and... and, and I felt something like I just looked at him and I said, what's wrong? <laughs> like what, you know, what happened? <laughs> and he just started to share about this meeting he went to and uh, very skeptical. And, and I just didn't understand. And uh, I was dropping off. It was, it was a men's group. So I dropped him off a, f- a few times and we can't remember if he invited me in. No, or I remember. I, or I got out of the you car. Turned to <laughs> <laughs> or, or I got out of the car, but I kind of walked in and I was like, you know, like, I was just so drawn myself, but at the same time, I, I went in just to be like, like, what is that? You know, like, right. what, what are you guys talking about? What is this? What, um, like, how did, you know, how did it happen? Right. Because yep. I saw the change in him, and I felt it, but I didn't understand how. Can, I, can I just speak that up for one moment? So that's 2009. 2003, I looked in the mirror and didn't like who I was. So there was a six-year period of time. Remember I said I was reading about 50 books a year. So that's about 300 books I'm into at this point. Just context. Mm. I go to that Bible study, and I hear Joseph Matera uh, sharing and reading the scriptures. And I said, everything, everything that I've been searching for and trying to read in these books is in God's word. I said, why am I trying to, why am I trying to read these books when I could just go to the word? So I stopped reading as many books and I started reading God's word. So now I read books, but just not 50 a year, maybe 15 or 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so like he said, I, I turned a men's group co-ed. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> and um, honestly, I ex- I've had 
personally experienced God that nobody can tell me anything different. And that's and and the stories just go on, and yeah. we don't have enough time for it. And, and I think just in, in wrapping on that, the thing that has really changed my life is that when I read God's word, he valued people so much. And the thing that Danielle and I are committed to is to value people. And when you value people and you don't create, uh, you don't create these barriers, but you create bridges, you can do tremendous things. And it doesn't have to be around a faith. It could just be around valuing people and making an impact. And the thing that I've done is, and, and you've been around me, I, I don't hit people with the Bible. I'm not going to no. do that. It's not what it's not no. who I am. I'm just going to be the gospel. I'm going to be different. I'm not going to hit them with the Bible. They can see my life. My life will the fruit will tell people the story, not 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 what I'm trying to get down their their throats. Yeah, a very and there's a very big difference because mm-hmm. you don't do that. But the faith is very clear, very evident, and it's in, it's inspirational. Mm-hmm. Honestly, thank you. All right, this was uh, this was great. I appreciate you guys coming in. Again, I can't thank you enough for the impact that you've had. Thank you. Um, we appreciate you very much. And well, we're glad to be on this journey together. Yeah, we're, a lot of exciting things in, in the future and on the horizon, and we're just getting yeah. started. So, you know, I, I feel totally re-energized. I really do feel like a kid again, and uh, it's exciting. Awesome. It's fun. Well, How do people reach out to you? What's the best way? them to, to contact you. Yeah, so you can send an email to uh, Danielle at lionsprideleadership.com uh, or you can uh, go on our website. We actually, we have a, a, an event we're coming, we're doing uh, in January. Uh, first, it's to our Lions Pride clients and then we're opening it up to the public uh, if there's anything open because of COVID restrictions. But uh, but yeah, but you can go on uh, lionsprideleadership.com or Danielle at lionsprideleadership.com. All right, great. Yeah. Thank Fantastic. you for joining Thank us today. So Thank, you Thank you guys. Appreciate to have you. As always, uh, everyone, please keep the comments coming and the suggestions. And uh, everyone, please stay safe.